Heavenly Father, this morning, as we open your word, may your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. May you challenge us like never before. May you push us and grow us and urge us to grow with you. In Jesus' name, amen. The psalmist writes in the book Psalms, chapter 34, verse 8, he says these words. Here they are on the screen. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to welcome you to the Matt Smith uh, cooking show where taste is king, skill means nothing, and hopefully somebody else does the dishes, if you know what I mean. Today I want to talk to you about this beautiful fruit right here, a pineapple. Now in Florida you may have had some of these before, they're pretty good. I've had a Florida pineapple very recently, in fact, in first service, it was delicious. Um, these are good, they're good fruit, they grow everywhere. In fact, I learned that you could take the top off of one of these plants and put it in the ground and it'll grow. So that's kind of a cool thing. Pineapple is one of the greatest fruits around. I've only cut a couple of them in my lifetime, so please pray that the Holy Spirit guides this knife. And they're good. You gotta kind of work the core, work down to the core and get the fruit off of there. Oh, they're delicious. When you eat a pineapple, your taste buds just explode. They go berserk because they don't know how to handle it because it's so, so good. In fact, taste is one of our five senses and they're just, it's one of my, probably my favorite. Taste gives us a lot of things. If there was no taste, every kind of food would be boring. It would be awful. But because we have taste, we can eat anything, and a lot of it's good, even at potluck, for those of you that don't hate potluck, I mean, that you, look, you know, for potluck, there's good food there too. Uh, it's good, and I just love me some pineapple. This stuff is good. Pineapple upside down cake in a fruit salad. It just tastes Mmm. It's delicious. It's dripping. I got some drips on my pants from first service. It's so good. Mmm. It tastes so good. Doesn't it taste good? You want some? Mmm. It's so juicy, guys. Doesn't it taste good? You can't taste it, can you? I can, it's delicious. The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. In fact, if you've got your Bibles, I invite you to open them to Psalm chapter 34. If you don't have a Bible today, or maybe this is your first time in a church and you've never had a Bible, there's a blue book in front of you, and you can follow along on page 396. You'll read the same words that I'm reading today. Psalm chapter 34, we're gonna look at eight different verses in fact, the psalmist, he wrote this chapter in a very cool way. He wrote it as an, an acrostic poem. Now, in second grade, maybe third grade, you learn what an acrostic poem is. Do you guys know what an acrostic poem is? Man, it's still you guys. First service, they're the only ones that know what an acrostic Do you know what an acrostic poem is? There's three of us. Man, this doesn't get any better. Come on. You guys need to go back to second grade is what it is. <laughs> In like second or third grade, the teachers use you around Thanksgiving time. They'll hand you a piece of paper with the word thanks written vertically, and you take those letters and you write words for each letter of the word, right? You with me now? Are you with me now? Oh man, this is gonna be hard today. David writes in Psalm 34 an acrostic poem using the Hebrew alphabet, 22 letters in the alphabet, 22 verses, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalit. He goes right down the Hebrew alphabet. And we read in chapter 34, three parts. 
an introduction, a personal testimony, and then an invitation. So here we go, Psalm chapter 34, starting with verse one. Here's what it says in my Bible. David says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glorify in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. David says, y'all, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Then he goes on to his personal testimony. This is David's story. It's his experience. Here's what he says. He says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. And then he says the verse you know very well. He says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. David says, here's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I've been in the dumps, I've been in the bad places, I've been struggling, I've had fear, and God has heard my cry for help. He says, that's my story. He's always been there for me. My face radiates because I've been in the presence of God, because when I call, he answers me. And as David shares his story and his experience and and his relationship to God, he pauses for a minute, almost like an invitation, because he realizes that he's leaving everybody else out. He says, this is my story, this is my experience, but you gotta experience it too. And so he says in verse eight, you've heard it before, he says these words, you taste and see that the Lord is good. He said, I can tell you my story and it's fantastic, but you taste him. Don't stop with my story, you taste and see that the Lord is good. See, here's the deal. Taste is interesting because the only way to taste something is if you taste it. I mean, I could taste pineapple all day long and it's delicious, but until you taste it, you don't know what it tastes like. I can talk about pineapple all day long, but until you experience it for yourself, you'll never really know what it's like. In fact, I'll put it this way here here on the screen. Experiencing God is not something that anyone else can enjoy for you. You have to taste his goodness for yourself. It's your experience. It's not mine. It's not your wife's. It's not your mother's. It's yours. Without a personal experience with Jesus, Christianity is just an idea. It's just a theory. It's just a philosophy or, or theology. It's not even real until it becomes yours and yours only. God isn't real until you've really experienced him. Have you tasted him this morning? Have you tasted the goodness of God? Have you tasted what it's like to be in a a living relationship with him? More importantly, have you tasted the bread of life that he's given for each and every one of us to sustain us each and every day? The facts are kind of embarrassing, to be honest with you. They're sad when it comes to Protestant evangelical Christians. That's Seventh-day Adventists. When it comes to reading the Bible, when it comes to tasting God. In a recent survey, about 3,000 people, which isn't a huge group of people, all Protestant Christians, here's what it says, LifeWay Research put it this way, only 19% of Protestant Christians read their Bible every day. There's not even, there's no gasp? (gasps) 19, y'all, that's that's less than a quarter. That's a a failing grade, that's that's not even 50%, that's 19%. 
I mean, that's what I call spiritual starvation. That's, that's people with shrunken bellies and limbs sticking out. It's spiritual starvation. And in a country where we have fast food and all-you-can-eat buffets, people are starving. And in a country where there are Bibles on, on bedside tables and on shelves and in every home in America, people are starving spiritually as these Bibles sit on, on shelves like a forgotten Happy Meal from McDonald's. According to George Barna, who's one of the leading researchers in Christianity, he did a survey not too long ago called The State of the Bible. Here's what he says. George Barna says, 88% of households in America have a Bible. On average, the households have 4.4 Bibles. And if you're like me, you probably have more than that. I mean, I got an office full of them. I got a home at, uh, in my home, I've got boxes full of them. And if they weren't in moving boxes, they'd just be on shelves somewhere too. I mean, I got a bunch of Bibles. What translation you want? I bet I got one for you. I mean, isn't that true? You got Bibles galore. It's not because that we don't have a Bible. It's because we don't read it. In fact, George Gallup and Jim Castelli, two more good researchers, they did research and they, they found this, that Americans revere the Bible, but by and large, they don't read it. And because they don't read it, we have become a nation of biblical illiterates. And here's the research to prove it. Fewer than half of the adults in America can name the four Gospels. Many Americans can barely name two to three of the 12 disciples. Barner Research says that 60% of Americans cannot even name five of the Ten Commandments. They say this, no wonder people break the Ten Commandments all the time. They don't even know what they are. Here's one. 82% of Americans, think about that, that's a solid B, 82% of Americans believe that God only helps those who help themselves is actually in the Bible. And and if you think, well, this survey probably include non-Christians and Christians, it did. They split out the Christians from this question. 82% of non-Christians or or, or people in general say that uh, God only helps those who help themselves. Christians only, 81% believe that too. Here's one. A majority of adults think the Bible teaches that the most important calling in your life is your family. And while family is incredibly important, what happened to mission? What about the Great Commission? What about the reason you live on this earth is to share the gospel with someone else? Live the gospel. This one's for the high schoolers. You guys know this because you were first service already. 50% of graduating high school seniors think that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. 57% of millennials read their Bible less than three times a year, if at all. America is spiritually starving. And the Christians aren't helping. We're in the middle of all these numbers. In 2007, I was graduating from Southern Adventist University, and it was finals week, and I had senioritis like you wouldn't believe. I'd already gotten a call from Georgia Cumberland, so like, who cares about these last tests? They don't mean anything anyway. And so I I was going into finals week having a really hard time studying. There was one final that I was actually looking forward to. It was in the Christian theology class with Dr. Stephen Bauer, just a great guy. And he had a final that everyone had talked about, but they couldn't tell what was on the test. In fact, that was part of the deal, is that once you took the final exam, you, you couldn't share how it played out or what was on the test because uh, for years and years after that, he wanted to do the same test with everyone else. He said, This is a test you cannot study for because it's all stuff you should know. And I said, that's my kind of test, man. 
So I walked in, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a, a big stack of paper to write on, you know, all the questions pre-printed. He says, take out a sheet of paper. And I began to get nervous. And he started with one. He said, put your name on the paper. Here's number one. List the days of creation in order. Started looking around the room at everybody else and they're all looking at me and we're all thinking, uh, we're not gonna do very well on this final. Let's see, what was the first one? Um, light, light, you gotta have light to see what you're doing and no one knew the rest. He said, number two, list the 10 commandments in order. Uh, Sabbath, Sabbath's one of them, I think. Honor your father and mother, yeah, that's the one I know. He said, all right, number three, write down where the Great Commission is found in the Bible. Uh, he says, okay, number four, do your best to summarize the, the three angels' message in the book of Revelation. And as we all struggled through this test, he said, all right, let's turn our papers in. And so I sheepishly brought my paper up and put it on the table, embarrassed. I mean, I'm a theology student, a theolo graduating theology major, I mean, a few weeks from now and I'm gonna be pastoring in a church and I can't list the days of creation? Like, what is this? And I felt like a failure and, and this morning, if you feel like you just got a spiritual spanking about not reading your Bible and you feel like a failure, let's turn that into a challenge. Let's make it positive about what we can do it. The point of today's message isn't a spanking. It's really just to activate and encourage and to help us grow with Jesus, to take time and make time if you have to, to spend time with Jesus. And to be, to be completely honest, I struggle with this as much as anybody else. It's so much easier for me to sit down and reply to emails or scroll Instagram. Man, those Instagram reels are addictive. And you know that you've, if you're on Instagram, you know you've got a certain few friends that you send all the funny ones to. I'm the only one on Instagram. I, sometimes I would much rather do emails than spend time in the Word. In fact, just the other day, I was sitting on a bench out at, uh, at Fleece waiting for one of my kids to finish playing some sports and we were talking and there was another, a mom that was there with her son and, and uh, she was sharing just some stuff and I don't even know how we started talking about devotional life and she, uh, she, she mentioned something I said, oh, how's your devotional life going? And, and she said, well, in high school and college I was really good about it but I got this impression that there was this ups and downs and highs and lows and times where she felt super connected to Jesus and other times where she, she felt super super far from him. And I thought to myself, that's how I feel too. A roller coaster with Jesus. Sometimes I'm really close to him. Sometimes I spend a ton of time in the word with him, but sometimes it's like a desert and a drought and I haven't spent a ton of time in the word with him either. And if I feel like that, and if I can resonate with that, then I bet you can too. But whatever your situation is right now with tasting and seeing that the goodness of God is in here, I want to encourage you this morning. What can you do? Beginning of 2022, what can you do to grow with Jesus? I got some ideas for you. Don't worry. Here's the first one. Maybe you need to get a new Bible. Somebody in first service texted me during Sabbath school and they said, I just ordered a new Bible. I just, I just got one off Amazon. It's cool. They already did it. You know, sometimes getting something new helps you do something better. Uh, maybe you need to get a new translation. You want an easy one to read? Try a New Living Translation. So easy to read. 
Get a leather one if you want. Get your name printed on it if you want. Maybe you need to get one of those that have the columns in the side. That's how, that's my, this Bible right here. It's my favorite Bible. And it's got these columns in the side where you can write and you can underline and whatever you want. Maybe you want that. Maybe you want one of those, um, what are those kind of artsy Bibles that have like places to, it's a color in the side. You know what I'm talking about? And you take colored pencils and you, you color the, the verses that are, in the, maybe you, whatever it takes for you. Maybe you need a new Bible. How about this one? Maybe get a new devotional book, like a daily devotional book. My kids, Catherine Canaan, we have two different devotional books for them. They're by Louis Giglio, and they're fantastic. They're like, it takes three minutes to read them, but we do it every night before they go to bed, and it's just easy to read. Maybe you need one as an adult, too. They're out there. There's hundreds of them. Just go buy one. How about this one? I got another idea for you. What if you started listening to the Bible? Jen, my wife, she just started this thing this year. Um, I don't even know where she found it, but it's, it's a, it's, I think it's a podcast, and the guy that's on there, he summarizes three or four or five different chapters um, in about five, six minutes. And it's neat because she gets the big picture, the broad picture of the Bible, just kind of stuffed into five, six, eight, ten minutes, whatever it is. Maybe that's you. Or I got a better idea. Some of you, I know, got phones for Christmas. You might have had to sign a contract with your parents to get them, but maybe there's an app that you need to download, and it's the Bible app. If if you've had a phone for your whole life, get the Bible app. It's free. Here's what's cool. On there, there are tons of Bible reading plans. Many of them aren't a year long. Maybe they just read through a book of the Bible, or the Old Testament, or the New Testament, or they've got some for women, they've got some for men, which I don't understand why that matters, but they've got them there. Anything you want, they got it there. Here's another one. If you you think the Bible is boring, which if you do, you haven't read it, try a book of uh, Spirit of Prophecy. Have you read Desire of Ages? Y'all, I've been, I've been digging into that book for over a year now, and it blows my mind. Steps to Christ is another one. Find it. Read it. Whatever it takes. Here's another one. This is my last one. Maybe if you're a visual learner, maybe if you don't like to read, maybe that's your excuse or your reason, try watching The Chosen. Have you seen that? Just Google it. Maybe watch, maybe watch 10 minutes a day on that. To, to bathe yourself in the life of Jesus, to grow with him, to feast on him, taste and see that the Lord is good. In fact, David believes this so much about tasting and seeing that God is good that he wrote another psalm in Psalm chapter 119, the longest chapter in the whole Bible. It's another acrostic poem with the Hebrew alphabet, and he writes it in such a way that there's a few verses that are packed in there that talk about his love of the word of God. In fact, it's in Psalm chapter 119, verses 97 to 104. I'm gonna read it out loud. Here it is on the screen, very small, so you can't read it. Just listen if you have to. And uh, see how many times you can hear how David talks about the Bible. He says this, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I've kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. He says this, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This morning I'm gonna go out on a limb, and if it doesn't work, that's fine too. But is there anyone here today that has never tried pineapple? 
Would you like to try some pineapple today? You don't want to try pineapple. You guys have tried pineapple many times. All right. Well, that's okay. It's good. Let me just tell you that. Hey, let me pray for you, and then uh, we'll, we'll have some more music. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our sense of taste. May we taste and see your goodness as we spend time with you, uh, digging in the word, in prayer, in fellowshipping with others, in all the different ways. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.